Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Hash Rugby Chat podcast. I got to sit down with Daniel from the Rugby Hub and we had a talk about all things Six Nations. This is an audio recording of his YouTube show, so head over to YouTube and check out his YouTube channel. Um, but here we are talking about uh, the Six Nations. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, you'll know that the greatest annual tournament in rugby is looming ever closer, the Six Nations. So what better way to kick off the Six Nations on this channel by doing something a little bit different? Today, we have a guest, and our guest comes all the way from New Zealand. Most of you may know him already. If you don't, he is the man who is seeking 1,000 subscribers to keep his YouTube partnered status. Today, we're going to be discussing everything from the Six Nations predictions for round one to, well, basically just anything Six Nations. So do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I'm Paul, the guy behind Driving Mall. I do subscribe to the website for predictions and opinion on um, on all things rugby. Yep, try, uh, also on YouTube and uh, have a podcast as well. Have you reached your thousand subscribers yet? No, I haven't. We are getting there. I am trying to help you as much as you can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to ask because me- I've been meaning to ask. Is it called Driving Mall because it rhymes with Paul? No. Oh, so that was pure coincidence. That's pure coincidence. Uh, no, I had um, to ask. I had to find that out. That was just, I was listening to it like, is it called Driving Walks? It's Paul. <laughs> okay, so first up then, we have the predictions for the Six Nations. Uh, so pretty much just going to predict round one for the minute, but we also have another prediction lined up, which will be a fun one to see how we both agree or disagree. Um, so first match, Wales versus Scotland in Wales. Wales versus Scotland in Wales. Um, you've got to, uh, suppose Wales had a poor um, November. Oh, uh, they've uh, they've obviously had a lot of players with the Lions, um, so they're kind of becoming coming in tired. Uh, um, Scotland got some issues um, around injuries, uh, as they always do, because they've got a pretty thin squad, but are a team definitely on the up. Um, I think Scotland have a good chance to nick this one. I'm going to back them probably by uh, about seven. Okay, so we will be in agreement on this. Um, Scotland were, in my opinion, the most impressive team for the Autumn Internationals. Um, What they did to Australia was unreal. And uh, I was just thoroughly impressed. And yeah, they have got a lot of injuries, but I'm thinking uh, if they play with the sort of intensity and passion that they played with in the Internationals, they're going to win. So I'm saying Scotland by five. So we're quite close on that one. Next up... France versus Ireland, and this one's in France, for anyone who didn't know. Uh, France versus Ireland, um, let's be honest, France are a basket case at the moment. <laughs> uh, yeah. Put bluntly, um, this, is, this, is, this is an Irish win all day long. Um, Ireland probably by about 10. Uh, if, uh, you don't really... Um, France might come together, and this is a problem we don't know. Now, I normally hate this idea that about France being... This unpredictable piece because they're not, they're just poor over the last, since probably about 2011, um, World Cup. So, um, it's not that one, what's the bit that I'm, that's, that's unpredictable now is not their playing style, but what their coaches are going to do. Uh, we've got obviously, uh, the new head coach in there who's basically in there because he's a mate of the CEO, um, because he used to be his assistant coach, um, way, when, uh, way back. Um, so he's got him, this is jobs for the boys, which is never a good, good look. And then he hasn't appointed any full-time assistant coaches, uh, so I can't see. So I can't see how that's going to work. How is he going to? Uh, uh, he's he's going to rotate, um, borrowing uh, rotate top fourteen coaches. That he's going to borrow from the clubs 
uh, this it's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that one. He's just the idea that he's going to rotate the coaches is just not smart because every coach plays different and they're going to come in with different ideas and it's just going to be an absolute mess it's it's it seems like he's just he's there to um to sit back a bit like is it the saints manager uh Gaffner is it at the moment who's taken over on a, a short term basis he's just in there he said I'm just in there to oversee and I'm going to let the coaches do the coaching um, this is what it seems like with, with the, the French head coach he just seems like he's going to go in there and basically sit back and go go on you guys do the work I'm, I'm just here to oversee and that's not smart and, and the fact I'm not trying to say that older coaches can't be good because obviously they can um, but he's like what 75 he's going to be playing an old style of French rugby that these new players are probably not used to playing um, with the up and coming sort of head coaches in the top 14 and I'm just expecting it to be an absolute mess um, so I am agreeing with you on that one and saying Ireland by 10 so Jacques Brunel 64 he's not oh, 64 yeah. not 75 <laughs> I just <laughs> he's old it's fine <laughs> Um, so the big game of the weekend, obviously, is Italy versus England, um, taking place in Italy. Uh, your thoughts? <laughs> uh, England by about fifteen. I mean, obviously, last year we had the uh, the, the, the fun and games tactic around not uh, not engaging at the breakdown, and basically, England, England players being totally confused. So um, there'll be a there'll be a bit of revenge on this one because obviously they made the England players look um, look silly. Um, they don't want that happening again. So yeah, England by fifteen. Italy just don't have the depth. They they are to be fair. The top, the, sorry, the Pro fourteen teams are playing a lot better this season. Um, but even so, I still uh, can't see um, Italy doing much. Um, so I mean, Conor Shea has is is pushing them in the right direction, but they're still just dependent on um, Perezzi, who's, um, who's who's getting on. Let's be honest, getting a bit long in the teeth now. Uh, so yeah, I can't I can't see anything else but a, a comfortable English win. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've got England by thirteen. Uh, completely agree. Last year was absolutely hilarious. Um, possibly my favourite moment of the Six Nations was I think it might have been Dylan Hartley and James Haskell going up to the ref and saying, "Well, uh, what's going on?" And they was like, "They're not engaged." And he went, "Well, what's the rules?" And the ref just turned around and went, "I'm not your coach. Go away." <laughs> and that just topped it for me because these are you know, grown men, professional rugby players who should know the rules. It was just incredibly smart tactics by Italy. I actually think England did well last year against Italy regarding that. And I think if it had gone up maybe against Wales or Scotland, the way they were playing last year, we could have seen uh, an Italy win. But yeah, no, not this year. He's not going to be able to come in with anything smart again like that unless he really pulls something out of the bag. But I don't think uh, Conor O'Shea is that a high caliber of um of head coach but i know i'm gonna have like harlequins fans yelling at me for that one <laughs> going yes he is he won us stuff it's like okay okay uh, but yeah england by 13 all day long I, I'm, I'm gonna disagree with you england took way too long to adapt about 40 to, minutes to, wasn't it yeah it took basically to half time uh now the um if it, it's a common tactic in sevens oh is it so okay. yes so um, if any of the players had got any had any sevens experience, uh, they would have known what to do straight away. So the you, 
So you're looking at um, so yeah, so something like uh, that, like my kind of ping on here, uh, like the All Blacks who have had sevens players. One of the players would have yeah, fine, get caught out the first two rucks, but after that you should adapt to it, and which, which is basically you grab a player, anyone that's close enough, and then a ruck's formed. Um, so the, as long as you're touching him, it's suddenly a ruck. So the obviously, I mean, the new rules mean that doesn't, that doesn't happen anymore. But yeah, it's I say it was, it's, it's a pretty common tactic in sevens. Okay, so that's our predictions for the first round. Uh, pretty much in agreement, very close. So this one's a bit harder to predict, and this is where my controversy should come in. Um, I have decided to, well, I can put you on the spot with this one, predict the final standings in the table. I think this one's a difficult one because we, the teams are going to change. Obviously, Scotland, I don't know how bad their injuries are. So could we see a full Scottish team, say, halfway through the Six Nations? Um, same with England. Most Some of their key players like Daly and Hughes could be playing after the second game. Um, but again, depends on how well they come back in their fitness. So I don't. it's difficult just be de- purely down to injury and we don't know how these teams are going to be playing. Um, but yeah, John, take a crack at predicting the final table. And yes, I will hold this one against you. <laughs> Um, no worries. Uh, the, so uh, the the only game to me that this basically this comes down to is going to be the Ireland England game. Uh, everything else is pretty much going to. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm confident about. So I'm quite happy that it's going to be um, Scotland, Wales, France, Italy towards the uh, from from third downwards. So that's that's easy. And it's it, to me it comes down to yeah, that that one game. Uh, and I'm going to back England to win it. So I'm going England, Ireland, Scotland, uh, Wales, France, Italy. Okay, so we are bottom half the table, exactly the same. Italy in sixth, France in fifth, um, and Wales in fourth. This is where my controversy could come in. Um, Just due to one game, I don't think England are going to beat Ireland. I think Ireland are on fire, and I think they looked strong in the Autumn Internationals again. And I think... Out of all of the teams, they seem to have the strongest team for the first match, just because most of their players aren't injured. Um, and but I'm thinking that will help them because England are obviously going to have their injuries and then have to. I know it's England and Eddie Jones is miracle worker, but I I think they will have to gel together again and not have that game time experience. So if we had our top players in against Italy, they can kind of have that first rusty game and then go into it okay. Um, so I'm actually thinking it's going to be an Ireland Grand Slam. And that's a big bet, but I'm, I'm going with that one. I actually think in second place is going to be Scotland. I actually don't think the English are going to go up to Morrifield and win. I think we're going to struggle. But that could obviously all change. And then in third, I'm thinking England. Um, I just think Scotland have been so impressive. I think they're going to catch England off guard. I don't think I don't think Eddie Eddie Jones isn't stupid. I don't think he's going to go up there and and think it's going to be an easy run because I don't think Scotland at Murrayfield isn't. It's definitely not an easy run for anyone. Um, but I think Scotland are just they have that them star potential players. They have them world class players, and uh, I think Gregor Townsend. What? How long has he been with Scotland now? Was it? Is it 12, 12 months? Twenty four months? Two years, sort of thing. It's not been with him that long, has he? Yep. 
So what he did with Glasgow. I don't know that long, no, so yes, yeah, so I'm thinking was he was Gregor Townsend with um last six nations? No, I don't think so. Ah, so what he has done with Glasgow, or what he did with Glasgow, was um impressive. And I think Scotland needed the right coach, and I think it's gonna catch England off guard. Um but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So crazy stat for you. Oh god. Scotland have not scored a try against England at Murrayfield uh, for something like nine years or a decade. Not scored a, a, a try. So it's not even a win. It's a try. <laughs> Scotland have not scored a try against England in over a decade at Murrayfield. Oh, wow. Um, I'm still I'm still sticking by it. I'm still going to stick by it. I, I, obviously, being being English and everything else, I won an England win. I'd, I'd love to see... Um, I'd love to see Eddie Jones just win three times in a row because at the moment obviously he's done two Six Nations and won two Six Nations um, I'd love to see him get that hat trick and I think that would be absolutely great but it's uh, it's going to be a tough one I just think Ireland are looking the only thing that's going for Ireland against Ireland against with England is the fact that it's at Twickenham it's at Twickenham and it's the fifth week so it's the last game of the round uh, oh, is so- it? oh okay yeah so not so when you're talking about jellying and, and getting back together again, uh, the yeah England will have had um, four, four games to do that. So the uh, so they, they should be at their peak performance come that game. They're at home. Uh, it's it's the only game they lost last year. So again, it's another one of those revenge things. So I think the uh, so again no England for that game for me, for me at the moment. It was in Dublin last year as well, wasn't it? Wasn't a Twickenham? Yes. Um, which is a shame, but I uh, I wasn't happy for about a week after that, if I remember correctly. Uh, obviously, I'm I'm gonna be rooting for an England. It's just purely on um just purely on the basis of I think that will be the finish table. Another prediction. Uh, I don't know if they do this as um an actual award. Do they do a, a sort of player of the tournament? I think they do. Uh, so player of the tournament. Ooh, the you've you've got. Your standard people who uh, are obviously the, the, that are going to be important for all the teams. So for Ireland, we're looking at um, Murray Sexton. Obviously, the their back row um, is something special as well. So I mean, they're, they're, those those will or, or, so that's those kind of surprise surprises there. And I guess uh, if, if we come into England, obviously they um, we've got, they're going to miss. Um, I've gone blank, but um, they're going to miss. Um, Vanapola um, at eight, uh, he would be a star of this. But again, you've got all the people who've gone with the Lions, um, so it's a bit difficult sort of, sort of picking out one that you, that's um, uh, that sort of come from from nowhere. It's going to be interesting to see if uh, Marcus Smith gets any time at all, um, bringing uh, for for England. Um, I don't think he will. Otherwise, I'd say hey, he he would be someone to to look out for. Um, the uh, but yeah, England have picked a lot of players who haven't got caps. So um, it's, like, it's like five or six, I think it is, uh, uncapped players. So there's definitely room for someone there to stand up um, and sort of make and make a name for themselves. Uh, I'd, someone like, um, uh, and again, it's, if, if, you, if you're looking for, for an area, it's going to be that back row um, for England because of the because of the injuries. Um, and you've got in there Zach Mercer and Gary Graham 
with with no caps. In Sam Underhill's only got three caps, and Sam Sam Simmons as well. And you've got to say Sam Simmons has got a real opportunity here with those injuries. He's the only sort of full recognised number eight in the squad. So uh, Sam Simmons, um, he's got uh, Italy first up, which is obviously the easiest thing, um, where he's going to be matched against Parisi. Um, but he has got a massive opportunity there. So look 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 out for Sam Simmons. I would say uh, to, to as a kind of something as sort of someone you haven't as unknown to uh, to burst onto the scene. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm thinking it's going to be I'm thinking it's going to be one of the new guys in England. Obviously, like you said, you've got your standard. You're going to see your standard players really stand out. Um, and I think off the bat, I'm looking at I think a lot of eyes are going to be on Conor Murray because he is someone who for Ireland is completely something special and I think they lose a lot of that driving sort of driving pushing you know um, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is started that sentence can't finish it um, they sort of they've, they've, they've got that sort of I think he's the catalyst for them in a lot of their attacks um, I think he's such a good player and I do think I know a lot of people are saying if he's gone or if he gets injured as long as he stays fit for the tournament um, Ireland then could be looking at the win if he goes Ireland could not be looking at the win um, so I know a lot of people have got a lot on him so I think with the added pressure maybe if it wasn't his first sort of big games he might struggle and that's where I think when you have people like Marcus Smith it will be nice to see if he gets that game time um, but at the same time he, will he handle the pressure of going into the white shirt well or will he do what Johnny Wilkinson did on his debut and absolutely completely mess it up um, and if I remember rightly Johnny Wilkinson lost that first match because of him so uh, it's a massive like if you put him in on an autumn international great but putting him if he does put him in on the Six Nations um, I don't think he'll start him um, but he has that star quality no way that Samson is. Sorry, no, no way that not Samson, um, that, um, that that Smith is going to start. No, uh, the, uh, he may get some time off the bench if he's lucky. Um, <laughs> and if if Italy wasn't the first game up, uh, then you know, if, if Italy was like one of the middle games where you wanted to rest somebody, then he might get some time on the bench. As as it's the first game up, he probably won't get any game time at all. To be honest, yeah. The, uh, yeah the, true. Um, you're right uh, with 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 Ireland. Obviously, the the, the um, that Conor Murray, Jonathan Sexton totally run that team. Uh, it's, it's, if you the, the amount of shouting, the amount of talking that Jonathan Sexton does during a game is is unreal. Uh, he does run a run, run a a, um, uh, a very complicated system there. And uh, the big question mark around them, if you're looking for sort of uh, is is in their centres uh, with Henshaw, the only person that's got more than three caps um, that's that's been just been kicked, that's been picked, it's going to be kind of. Uh, is, is Bundyaki going to continue his um, his rise? Obviously, he's the, he's the oldest, most experienced one there. Um, from um, but he's only got two caps to his name, so it'll be interesting. To, that, that's that's going to be an interesting place, uh, interesting point to look at um, with Ireland. Um, I mean, Wales have also got some interesting players coming in. Um, I mean, Chubby Boy, um, James Davis. Um, Cubby Boy, sorry, not Chubby Boy. Um, <laughs> um, a lot of people pushing for him to uh, to, to to be picked, and, and it's going to be, so it's going to be interesting to see how he goes um, if he gets some game time. Because I say there's been a lot of people uh, championing him 
the other player uh, that people aren't going to perhaps know if they only follow international rugby is probably going to be Hadley Parks, um, who is the uh, the Kiwi who uh, has sort of qualified for Wales during the um, November internationals and has say got one game then. Uh, but I think we'll see him um, getting a lot of game time and starting a lot of games uh, as well. So um, alongside uh, um, Scott Williams. So that's going to be um, obviously with the injury to uh, Jonathan Davis there, there's, there's, there's a gap. So um, yeah, expect so people probably, probably won't recognize him uh, if they're looking for, for new people up in Scotland. Obviously it's that front row. Um, or, or baseball mainly the props where they've um, got injuries which they had last year as well uh, to be fair uh, so again uh, it's going to be seeing that they, they're young props they're going to be the players that people probably won't recognise um, and to look out for and see how they go yeah I, I agree that it's going to be um, it's a lot of the Six Nations for this reason that it's such a like it's such a high-brow tournament when the World Cup comes round the World Cup is the big one for everyone because we want to go, come on then, what Northern Hemisphere team can destroy the All Blacks? Oh, none of us, that's fine. We'll we'll go back up north. And it, it, it's nice then that you can see the Six Nations, especially now, the Six Nations is extremely important because this is now going to shape the rest of the year and then lead on to the World Cup. I think if, if, if everything goes wrong now for Eddie Jones and we end up finishing fourth or something stupid um can't see that happening but now is the time you don't want to go into something like the World Cup having uncapped players you you want to go in with the experience you want to go in with that that sort of the tactics and the way everything's going to work already set in place um so it is going to be really interesting to see who steps up because you've got to think like you said Vunipola's out um, and he's, I think it was mentioned earlier that he's out now. It's 12 weeks, Saracens said he's out for. So he's definitely missing the Six Nations. Um, I know there was a little bit of talk about, oh, he might not need surgery and how long would he be out for. And apparently Saracens have said it medically it's 12 weeks. Um, Elliot Daly, he's going to come back into a place in the squad. Um, Nathan Hughes, obviously there's the other number eight that, you know, a lot of the time you've got eyes oh, on him if Funny Polar's out. Well, Nathan Hughes is out. So now, like you said, Simmons has to step up. Um, Jones didn't have much of a choice. Jones did say Simmons um, needs to put weight on um, because he likes that big, burly number eight opposed to the way Simmons will play, which is slightly quicker. Um, but Jones prefers that bigger number eight. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I am watching someone very closely, and that is hoping that he'll get game time because he's had an amazing season and that's Josh Adams for Wales. Um, Obviously, he's uncapped, but for him to be picked purely... I don't know if eyes have been on him before. He's only a name that seems to have come up this season because he's the leading try scorer in the Aviva Premiership. Um, But I think a lot of eyes are going to be on him whether or not he'll get game time because he's insanely quick and an incredible finisher and considering he's scored top try scorer from a team that are 11th in the league that is really impressive um so i think that gatland is going to be looking at potentially using him because if it's going to be standard gatland turning up with warren ball or whatever the hell they call it now um he if they turn up with that it's not going to work 
uh, it's not worked for the last few years. It's just going to get them nowhere. And I think he he tried with the Autumn Internationals to do something a bit different. Um, did they? Was it new, when they, they played New Zealand? Was that during the Autumn Internationals? Was that before? That would be the Autumn Internationals. That yep. was part of the Autumn Internationals. So obviously they played Australia and lost. Um, and that was a very poor showing. And then he tried to move away from this standard push forward, pass the ball, push, and just the boring rugby of all. Um, it's nice to see that he tried something different, but it was wrong to try it against the All Blacks. And that just absolutely completely failed for him. Um, I think he will come in with something different. And I was looking at a lot of the way the teams are playing at the moment and the most interesting for me is I was looking back on I haven't got stats and figures because it's not something that I wrote down but it is something that I looked into um, when teams are comprised of surrounding one club team or a standard club team they seem to perform better because they gel better um, but that then you have the coaches trying to mould towards the way that team will play. So when you had, uh, obviously we have to mention it, when you have England in 2003 winning the World Cup, because that's still our claim to fame, um, even though it's now, what, 15 years ago, England winning the World Cup was com- uh, comprised mainly of Leicester Tigers, and they stuck to a very Leicester Tigers-esque playing style, um, and it worked. And now jumping forward to the way teams are playing now, a lot of people are saying... When you look at the way Scarlet's played against Bath, um, which was just hilarious to watch, um, that they should potentially adopt that sort of game style. Um, but we saw them do it against New Zealand and it didn't work. Um, but then you've got Ireland, who uh, I think out of all their players, one or two aren't from Munster or Leinster. Um, and England seems to be a little bit scattered, throwing a few people from different places. Um, not that it's going to bother Eddie Jones, um, but that will be interesting to see because Wales are now starting to bring a lot of their players back home and they're starting to, I think, is this the first six nations where half pennies back in Wales? Um, it could have been last yeah. year. But, it, yeah, it could be. I don't know. Yeah, I'm no, terrible with my time. So, it's nice to see the players are going back. Um, I know George North is going back, not yet. I know a few of the other players have come back abroad, back to Wales. So, it's going to be interesting to see then if Wales are going to hold up due to them playing more you know, more together at club rugby. Um, but that's something. I, I, have, I haven't, like I said, I haven't got the stats, but it does seem to work that teams are actually more successful when their players that sort of come from one or two clubs. Um, be interesting to say. So there is, um, uh, there's some thoughts out of Australia. Um, I've come, uh, Ben Darwin um, is the ex, uh, ex-Wallaby who runs a consultancy. And one of the things they talk about is um, connectivity of players and uh, so yeah and it's it's about knowing what um, what what the players around you are doing uh, and they reckon it takes two years when a player changes clubs uh, to get up to full speed uh, and to be able to play at their maximum potential because of the connectivity with the players um, around them 
and getting used to new systems and new coaching all this kind of stuff on average that is obviously the younger they are the quicker the quicker it is and the older they're not they, they, they are it can be slower and there's a whole bunch of other factors in there as well um and, and so yeah with with ireland with wales where they, where they have a, a, and you've only got four professional teams you do kind of get that what uh england have done though to i guess to 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 get something uh, to improve to improve that uh, is the the amount of money they've thrown at their academy structure uh, has been very impressive uh, and so what you're seeing now is uh the um the england under 20s uh, performing a lot better um since probably around about 2011 ish 2010 um i think 2011 was the first time england won the junior rugby world cup uh and if you look at this now you look at the team now and go through it and go okay out of that 2011 team uh who's here we've got um anthony watson uh jack now uh from from that um there's we've um there's also um alec hepburn uh as as well okay, we're, we're, we're all in that team um we've had luke cowan dickey and we've had um a couple of other players who um who have been in and out of the england side uh, or, or, or the setup, um, Devoto was another one who was, was in that squad. Um, of, of Slade, of course, is the other person I was trying to remember his name. So you've got about five players here who basically played rugby, um, since they were basically at, at high school and so since they were like in their twenties or even younger together, um, and have come up into this. You've obviously the following year, uh, Mario Toji, uh, captain the side to, to, to victory in 2012. Uh, so, uh, and, and so you've got a lot of players here that find they might not all come from the same club um, and play day in, day out with each other, but they have actually played together now for um, something like five or six years in various teams. So you're getting the connectivity and the use to playing with each other over time um, rather than necessarily sort of just purely being, being, at, um, uh, being at clubs. Okay, well, that's interesting, and I yeah, you're starting to see. I think um, the other argue, like actually agreeing with what you've just said. Um, it's the same in football now. You're actually starting to see England football up and coming, and they recently won the World Cup. I think the under 19s won the World Cup, and then I think it was something like the under 19s and the under 20s both won the World Cup um, for their sort of junior championships and everyone then said okay so what's going to happen now are we going to build these into the England squad and what happens then is these players everyone goes oh so these are fantastic so you get teams like Chelsea or Man United grab these players give them 30,000 40,000 pound a week wages and then you never see them again because they're basically just oh no you you just work on this and then they just don't care about the football and it just becomes a mess. Um, obviously, it's different in rugby. Teams prefer homegrown talent. England, has, I think, has always been the odd one out. I think Wales and Ireland, I'm not saying England don't, but Wales and Ireland look after their players a lot. And I, again, it's a figure that I think I've heard, but I could be wrong. Um, when Wales bring in... Uh, a player on the dual on the dual contract so the Welsh rugby board will obviously pay for some of that contract or half of it um, on that contract it actually states they can only play so many games of the year to keep them fit to play for Wales um, and I believe Ireland have a very similar system so they are just purely um, looking out for well basically working on 
building towards the Welsh squad, building towards the Ireland squad, where England's always been a little bit different. Um, England have always sort of worked and hoped on the best coaches and the best head coach to mould the team into something amazing. And Eddie Jones did that on basically winning the Six Nations on his first time round. Um, so I, I don't have any... There's complete faith in Eddie Jones on this. <laughs> I'm not thinking, no, it's not going to work. It, it always works with him. He's he's something special. I don't know. It's probably because he's not English and he's Australian. So he's probably everyone's like, no, don't bring in someone who's not English. No, just let someone in who's not English. We'll see. And it worked. Wales and Ireland do have that sort of homegrown sort of work ethic towards what they want. They want their players to be moulded into a Welsh rugby player or moulded into an Irish player. And I think that works well. But for Wales at the moment, everything's just a mess. Where for Ireland, it's it's worked. Um, so again, it will it will be interesting to say. Well, I mean, everything's been centrally controlled in Ireland for a while now. Uh, and they've, and it's, it's, and it's worked. I mean, Wales, uh, they've tried to have it centrally controlled, but then they've had private ownership of the provinces or the professional teams, whatever you want to call them. Um, and that's caused friction. And finally, they, that's a lot of the last couple of years. Um, they've started to sort that out. Uh, but there's still some friction, especially between the, well, not so much obviously with the dragons because, um, the, the union now own the dragons. Uh, but, um, and then Cardiff is in, has got financial issues. So there's, there's been talk about the union taking over Cardiff as well. That's, um, the blues. Sorry. Uh, the, so the, but the other, the other two, Def, um, who was it Scarlet, um, the other, yeah, Scarlets and Ospreys, um, uh, have, yeah, there's been friction between them and the, uh, and the union, which has, which has caused problems. So they got, so they sorted it out now. England don't have a central model. The, they basically have to bribe the clubs, um, to, to, uh, to, to, to get what, to, to, to get in line. And so the way they do that is saying, right, yep, yeah, we'll, we'll give, um, so much money to the Euro Premiership and uh, it's split between the teams by the percentage of England players they play uh, in, uh, in, in, their, in their games. So um, there is also a, a limit to the number of games players can play in England, uh, but it's so high that um, very few players after injuries uh, hit the limit anyway. So, and the, and when we're talking about looking after players, the and player welfare, it's not just, the number of games you play, but it's also uh, the amount of training you have to do. Um, so your, your body takes a lot of uh, a lot of hits during the week uh, in training. Um, so even if you don't play the games, if you're training full full on as though you're going to be playing those games, um, you're not uh, just because you miss a game, you don't rest that much um, if you if you're if you're full on training. Which is why you see um, around the um, Anglo Welsh Cup weekends, uh, you'll see a lot of the first choice players suddenly showing you photos photos on. On Instagram or on Facebook or, or Twitter, um, of them heading off to Dubai and all these other places, um, because they not only do they not play at the weekend, but they actually get the week off um, to let their body uh, do a little bit of recuperation. Yeah, it's not enough, um, but it's but that's why you see them disappearing is because training uh, wears you down um, as much as playing. Yeah, the Anglo Welsh yeah. Cup is terrible. <laughs> It's so it's it's one of them ones where you buy you you don't, you don't check who's playing beforehand. You buy tickets and then and then you turn up and there's no one playing and you're like, this is just no wonder it was a tenner. It's just I've done, we've done it before. It wasn't worth it. The Anglo Welsh Cup is a fantastic competition. <laughs> totally agree. Um, it's, a, it's where players like Jack Nell, um, Luke Cameron, Dickey, 
uh, both came. I think both were the uh, player or the emerging player. I think um, I don't know whether uh, Itoji picked that that award up as well. I Means picked up every other award along the way. Um, so um, it's a great place to see the next generation. And the if I don't know if you've been to any A League games, but um, two men and a dog go along to an A League the the A League um, games that are sort of on a Monday night, and they maybe get a thousand. If uh, it is considered kind of a good crowd for that. Um, and as you we were talking about earlier, uh, will players step up and deal with the atmosphere by having the Anglo-Welsh Cup? Suddenly they're playing in front of a 7,000, 10,000 crowd, um, and which is totally different to playing in an empty stadium like they do in the A-League. Uh, and yeah, you get to see which players can cope with that pressure, can cope with the atmosphere, or, 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 they, get, or they get at least exposure to the atmosphere without the pressure. Um, and so, no, I think it's a... It's a um, it, it, are you going to go along and see uh, 15 internationals playing 15 internationals on the pitch? No, you're not. Uh, that's not what it is. Um, it's not that kind of competition, but it's a great competition for what it is, which is seeing the next generation um, and seeing players come back from injury. No, I do enjoy it, to be honest. It, it is one of them things where it's uh, if you do it by accident and don't realise it, it's not great. But no, it's a decent... See, the problem is for me is... Um, as I've said a hundred times across my channel and possibly all over my Twitter, I am a big Wasps fan. And uh, and obviously Wasps moved to, because I'm down like Birmingham way. So when they were in London, my team was obviously then, or the, t- the local team was Worcester, um, which whilst the atmosphere is great, the, the team before Wasp moved, Worcester were just terrible. I'm not saying they're great now, but they're at least they're up and coming a bit more. Um, so it didn't really get into club rugby. I mainly just watched international. Um, but when Wasp moved down here, the Rico is only up the road, really. So we're like, you know what? Let's let's just go down to the Rico. And when you turn up to sort of, if you turn up at I don't know, say Sales Ground, and there's seven thousand people, it's all right. But when you turn up and there's 7,000 people in a 33,000 stadium, it's just, the atmosphere is just terrible. Um, so whilst it is a really good cup, it's not great to go and see. Uh, and that's just mainly because of the size of the Rico. Maybe if I went down down the road and, you know, went to Six Ways, which isn't a massive stadium, um, it would be pretty decent. But yeah, that's, uh, that's one of the issues. Um, but A-League's good Um, again A-League play Wasps A A team play down the road from the Rico Um, and they're always a good shout because it's it's got a uh, a real it's got a real club feel when you go down and watch the A-League it's actually really enjoyable everyone's everyone's a little bit more friendly because it's everyone's paid like a fiver to get in you get like a free burger or something and it's it's just brilliant to be honest that's everything that i've actually got on my list we've done the round one predictions we've done the table finish spoke about the players how terrible wales are gonna do so yeah that's that's pretty much everything on my list thanks very much for having me and uh, if people want to hear more of my kind of stuff um, obviously there's the driving mall youtube channel uh, also check out um, at driving mall on twitter uh, and uh, um, drivingmall.com is the website thank you very much and I'll uh, pop that link below and help him reach 1000 subscribers because uh, because it's needed so that was Daniel and I so check out uh, his YouTube channel The Rugby Hub or on Twitter at underscore The Rugby Hub also don't forget to subscribe to the Driving Mall podcast and head over to Driving Mall on YouTube and help me get to that 1000 subscribers 
Thanks so much for listening and catch you all next Tuesday for the Hashtag Rugby Chat podcast.